You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to a Monday edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined, as always, by Gabby Rutia, and we are going to share. I always, I kind of, I kind of struggle with, like, putting some of this stuff out there just because I prefer to see it with my own eyes, see it, you know, believe it when I see it type of deal, Gabby. Uh, but we'll share maybe some of the stuff we heard about the scrimmage. Um, we will discuss some recruiting, uh, some big visitors on Saturday. Also some visitors wrapping up, um, you know, from Thursday that might be worth diving into. And then in the second half of the podcast, we will have a mailbag type of format. We asked our subscribers at InsideTheU.com to drop some recruiting questions that you want Gabby to answer on the pod. So we will run through those. Um, on the front end, let me get this out of the way. Um, currently at my house, they are pulling out the septic tank. So you hear construction noises, beeping uh, I apologize for that, but the podcast show must go on. So let's get into the scrimmage talk, Gabby. Um, you know, just to recap, I guess what Mario Cristobal put out there. He basically mentioned uh, the quarterbacks have been good, you know, highlighted Tyler Van Dyke said he can be. Uh, he just straight up said he can be the best quarterback in the country. Um He also mentioned that the offensive line um, improved as the scrimmage progressed, particularly in the run game. And he then closed his little media session uh, saying that the defense won the day. So, Gabby, let's I'll just give you, you know, what what do you want to? discuss something you heard from the scrimmage that might provide more context or just something that, you know, wasn't mentioned in that recap from Mario Cristobal. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess just kind of maybe touching, just sort of talking to someone who was at the scrimmage and they, it sounded to me like the defense did really win the day. Uh, probably one of the standout performances that I was given was Keontre Smith. I believe he intercepted a pass, but just kind of talking to someone out there just made it seem like he was kind of all over the place for those guys, uh, just running around, making a ton of plays. 
and doing those types of things. Uh, to Corey couch is another guy that, you know, someone sort of highlighted to me as a, you know, someone that they think is just kind of like a dog, you know, just someone that they think that, you know, performs at a high level and, you know, kind of like the way that he moves out there. Um, I'm trying to think of like anyone in particular that, you know, really stood out Thad Franklin, I guess someone was someone else that, uh, you know, they mentioned ran the ball really, really well and had a few, you know, notable carries and things like that. And they also highlighted Cody Brown as someone who made a couple of plays too. So, um, you know, that's, that's just from someone that was kind of there watching one of the high school coaches that was out there. So um, that's basically the, the most of what I got. Yeah. And I'll say, I, I, another guy to add on defense. Um, I think Jafari Harvey, from what I heard, had a good oh, day. Oh, yes, Jafari Harvey. Which to me is very notable. Um, that's probably the biggest thing I liked that I heard coming out of that scrimmage. Um, we've kind of said, you know, we'd like to see one of these defensive ends step up and, uh, you know, make plays. And it sounded like Jafari did that. I also think, too, Kevin Steele from what I understand, like, you know, he's been um, implementing and building out his defense during the course of the spring. And in this scrimmage, you know, he kind of did throw a lot out at the offense, uh, you know, with some creativity or, or confusing looks, etc. And so I think there was some success with that. Um, yeah, I mean, look, the, the word coming out of there is the defense won the day. I still think the first team offense, you know, I just straight up asked, is, is, it, is it fair to say the first team defense beat the first team offense? And the response I got was like, eh, still think kind of the first team offense is better, uh, but considering how the defense has performed and the offense has performed leading up to that scrimmage, the defense probably had a better overall day. Um, Tyler Van Dyke still had a good day, even though he threw that pick to Keontra. Um, and I, I think Jacoby George continues to step up. Um, I also think too, and, and Mario Cristobal mentioned this too, he wanted to put the offense in some adverse situations, see how they responded. Um, and so, you know, that was pretty good for the most part from what I understand. Um, and yeah, I think overall it was a good starting point for scrimmage number one, and we will see how everyone responds to scrimmage number two. How do you build on this performance? Um, but overall, Gabby, I think, you know, what we have relayed um, with our instant reaction podcast following the practices we can watch uh, is pretty much what took place in the scrimmage. There wasn't any type of like outlier performance in terms of a guy totally stepping up um, compared to what we've seen this spring or a guy really performing poorly compared to what we've seen this spring. So uh, good session. And uh, we will see how things look on Tuesday in terms of bumps and bruises, because bumps and bruises can always happen during uh, scrimmages. Yeah. I know of one. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I don't know if it's safe to put it out there or anything like that. So maybe we can wait for Tuesday to see how it looks at practice. But I do think that there's one guy. I don't know if it's anything significant, but 
Yeah, we'll see. Do you want me to talk about it? I can talk about it. I don't know if I should. Um, no, let's, uh, let's wait to see how it looks on Tuesday. Yeah. And, um, and if he, you know, when that play, when we see how that player is practicing out there, uh, we can relay that information. Um, let's move on to recruiting, right? Let's start with Thursday because there were some big time visitors on Thursday. Um, starting with Jaden Rashada, you got to speak with him. How was that conversation? And what is the feeling coming out of that visit? Yeah. You know, I just think that I, I really think that Miami did a good job. I mean, as good of a job as they, as they could have done with Jaden Rashada. I mean, you talk about a, a full court press uh, from uh, this Miami staff. I think that's exactly what Jaden Rashada got. Um, he was on a visit with alongside a couple of his brothers, his father, all that good stuff. They got, they got to spend a few days down here in South Florida. So, you know, I really think it was a chance for Rashada to really see Miami as a city, uh, to really sort of take in everything about the program and just experience all of that. So, um, you know, just even coming off of the visit, I think that Miami's sitting in a really good spot. Uh, you know, just even talking with Brandon Huffman, the, our West Coast guy who does a lot of the, the Jaden Rashada, you know, North, you know, Northwest type of stuff. Um, you know, he's feeling really really good about where Miami stands right now with, with the, with the five-star quarterback. And, you know, I, th I think this is Miami's guy, you know, I think this is one of the guys that they feel like they have to get this cycle. And, you know, I think that they're putting themselves in a strong position to do so. Um, you know, some had talked about him maybe coming back for a, a visit next weekend. That's not happening. Uh, it sounds like he can get to Ole Miss and Arkansas relatively soon. Uh, I mean, Oregon and Arkansas relatively soon with Ole Miss, sort of in the mix there as well to potentially get a visit up, you know, soon. So, um, you know, I think you got to watch out for the ducks, just having missed out on a few of those California quarterbacks. It feels like Jaden Rashada might have to be their guy. So um, just watch to see whatever the Oregon does. And then, you know, what's, let's see how it goes with some of those sec programs. But right now I'm feeling where Miami stands. Is there a sense on um, timeline for a commitment from him? Yeah, I mean, I feel like everything's sort of expedited for the quarterbacks in a, in a way. I think it's just like, you know, I don't know if they really have the luxury or if they really should wait that long. I'm not sure how long it's going to be before he commits, but I think one thing notable that he told Brandon Huffman coming off the visit was that he plans on coming back to Miami before he does make that commitment. So uh, I think that's good news. I'm not sure how many other schools he's saying that about, but I think the fact that he plans on giving Miami just one more look before he decides to make that decision, I think is, is telling about where how, or just how he views the Hurricanes at this point of his process. So um, I could see this being anywhere within like, you know, within a month, a month and a half, maybe hopefully before the summer. Um, I think the sooner the better for, for both parties. I think Miami needs to know if they have their quarterback or not. Four-star corner Dijon Johnson also visited on Thursday. Um, what is the sense coming out of that visit? Because he's, he's probably a prospect that is going to see his recruitment blow up um, during the spring evaluation period once schools can come down and get a, get a look at him in person. Um, did Miami make a positive impression during that visit? Yeah, I think they did. You know, this was Deshaun Johnson's first time seeing Miami. He's a Tampa, a Tampa kid, plays at Wharton High School, the same school that produced Vernon Hargraves. Um, you know, I think that, I think it was a really important visit to Miami. He had gone out to USC. He's been to Oklahoma a couple of times. I think, you know, a few of those other major programs, Georgia, Alabama, I think maybe even Clemson have already hosted 
And, you know, I think it was really, really important for Miami to get him on campus soon. Cause again, David, we're talking about, I mean, just following like, you know, certain guys like Deshaun Johnson's a guy that's on an upward tra trajectory in terms of, you know, him just recently being moved into the top two, four, seven. And he's a guy that will probably continue to just keep rising. When you just look at the, the profile and just what he sort of does and what he's just put on tape and returned four uh, interceptions for touchdowns uh, over at Wharton. So, uh, you know, I think this is a, I think this is a big time talent. And yeah, I think Miami definitely made a move. You called it an eye opener, uh, you know, just being able to see the school and all those things. I think he sees an opportunity to come in here and compete for a job. And, you know, what Jamila Day and, you know, DeMarcus Van Dyke are doing there, I think is significant. And they've been on him for a while. Uh, they tried to get him on campus a little bit sooner, but things didn't work out with, you know, some of the staff going on spring break. So getting him back down now was a, was a big deal. And I do think Miami put themselves in a, in a better spot with him than maybe they were when, you know, they're going into the visit. And a uh, big time or big bodied defensive tackle prospect from the Jacksonville area visited as well on Thursday. Tell us who that is and what we need to know about this player. Yeah, that's Jordan Hall, big time defensive tackle body. It's six foot four, 300 pounds. I mean, described to me by some people at Miami as someone who looks ready to play college football right now. And, you know, I think that's sort of like where people are sensing his recruitment going a defensive tackle, an interior, you know, guy that is just going to continue to rise. I think, I think 24 seven sports has him as an 88 right now. I wouldn't be surprised if he was someone maybe on that top two, four, seven watch as, as someone who could potentially make that leap into the rankings. Cause just not a lot of guys built the way that if he's built uh, from, I believe I read over the weekend that he has an 84 inch wingspan, uh, which is just ridiculous. I mean, we just, when you just, when you're just projecting and just again, yeah. kind of studying the trend, the athletic, the athletic profiles of the type of defensive, linemen that you know make it at the next level i think jordan hawk uh, ch checks a lot of those boxes and i think he's someone that shoots up miami's that shot up miami's board i mean someone that when i'm talking about top target i think that he's someone that they are you know really 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 high on right now so i mean i think from this point on you know just over the rest of the course of the rest of the cycle we're talking about you know defensive tackles you know just true defensive linemen i mean jordan hall has to be in in the thick of that conversation and who just at this stage, who are the schools to know that have gotten maybe a little bit of a head start on Miami and recruiting him significantly? Is Florida State one of them? Yeah, I think Florida State's one of the one of the ones that just have just done a good job recruiting him. You know, just at, at, to this point of the cycle, I think they've gotten him on campus a couple times. Uh, Miami just now, LSU just recently offered. Uh, Alabama hosted. Um, you know, at, at one point in March. Just looking through, I mean, Florida's hosted. So, you know, definitely a lot of schools that are sort of getting involved here now. Clemson's coming and offered. Ohio State's coming and offered. So, you know, this is a this is someone that's recruitment's really starting to sort of trend the right way when you're just looking at, you know, the February and March offers, you know, this sort of spring evaluation period. I think Jordan Hall's one of those guys. Again, we're just going to see that's just going to continue to sort of rise because it seems like a lot of major programs are are starting to involve themselves. So I think my, and I, th I do think, you know, just sort of coming off that visit, Miami's feeling pretty good about, you know, what they did on, you know, just over the course of that visit and, you know, sort of the moves that they were able to make there. So definitely a name to continue to, to watch over. And on Saturday, there was a group of uh, highly touted visitors as well, taking in the scrimmage. Who are some of the guys to know that took part? You, you had a bunch of recaps, with those guys um, and you wrote those articles up at InsideTheU.com. So I would recommend everyone go over there and read 
because it's more of a more of an in-depth um you know reaction than what gabby's gonna give here on the podcast but who was there on saturday and uh you know where does miami kind of stand for those guys yeah, I mean, just some of the headliners. I mean, you've got to go, uh, you know, top two, four, seven edge. Damon Wilson out of Venice. He just broke his school's record for with, with 15 sacks as a junior last year, and they won a state title in Florida's highest classification. He's someone that was there. Uh, Derek LeBlanc, uh, a name that a lot of Miami, Miami fans are, are familiar with at this point. He was another visitor there just a, a day after he was up at Florida. Uh, John Walker, his teammates, and, uh, is a defensive tackle that Miami's real high on that showed up, you know, mid to late afternoon. That might've been a surprise to some, but John Walker was a guy that's there. An out-of-state prospect that made his way down is Tamir Robinson. He's an edge linebacker type that, you know, Miami's really, really high on. I think that they did a really good job there. I mean, a kid that's kind of always kind of thought he was going to stay close to home. I think Miami gave him plenty more to think about, you know, coming off that visit. So that's a big deal. Um, Top 247, top 50 talent, really. Malik Muhammad, a cornerback out of Dallas, South Oak Cliff. Uh, you know, really big time talent. It's the second time that he's been at Miami this spring. I think he was initially scheduled to be at Alabama, um, decided to come down to Miami again. He told me, I haven't written it up, but he told me that, you know, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't make these efforts to come see Miami if they weren't one of his top schools. So I think Malik Muhammad is definitely a name to keep in mind there. I'm trying to think of a couple other guys. Andy Jean, uh, the former Miami commit was back at Miami on Saturday um, his mom actually, it was the first time his mom, w- you know, went with him on a college visit. It was the first time that she was ever able to sit down and talk with a, with a college head coach. So, I mean, I think that was a big deal, a big part of why he sort of backed off of his Miami commitment, uh, Georgia, Texas A&M, I think are two of the schools to watch there, uh, might be missing a couple guys. Oh, Robert Stafford, a top two, four, seven athlete, uh, Andrew Ivins caught up with him in Orlando on Sunday at the UC report. And, uh, you know, it seemed like he was really high on Miami too. And it sounds like they're going to be one of those schools that's going to be in the mix there. I think he's a, I think he's an interesting athlete that could potentially play defensive backs and cornerback at the next level. So, you know, again, lots of, lots of talented dudes rolling through. It feels like, you know, every time Miami's hosting one of these or having practice, it seems like it's followed by or accompanied by, you know, a ton of top two, four, seven guys, a lot of blue chip recruits. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. Um, you know, obviously haven't been doing this as long as, as, as some others, but, Seems kind of ridiculous at the pace that Miami's getting these recruits on campus at. And, you know, I think they're doing a good job of just making strong impressions right now. And a transfer portal, potential transfer portal addition, uh, recently hit the market, I guess. Former, uh, now former Oregon offensive lineman Jonathan Dennis, who is from Dade County, played at South Dade High School. Um, Obviously, it's a it's easy to make that connection and assume Miami will be the landing spot. Uh, you know, with your conversations with people at UM, do you feel like that is a possibility and that will happen? I do. I, I do think that it's a possibility. I do think that you know there's some mutual interest there. Um, you know, just after him hitting the portal, you know, just kind of checking in with some guys. It sounds like you know, he's someone that they're, that they're willing to pursue. I mean, let's not forget where Mario Cristobal and Alex Mirabal came from. I mean, they came from Oregon, they came down to South Florida and, and, you know, signed Jonathan Dennis out of, uh, you know, Miami South Dade, uh, you know, definitely a guy with familiarity with, you know, how they do things. I think that matters in terms of just like a guy that they can, you know, bring in, even if it's a, a summer sort of addition and a guy that will be familiar with how those guys do things. Um, so I think it could be a smooth transition. And then again, 
just following transfer portal trends. I mean, guys are going back to where they're from. I mean, five of the seven transfers Miami that Miami brought in all South Florida natives, you know? So, um, and then just even talking with people, you know, close to Dennis from high school, you know, someone that is, was connected to Frank Ladson when I was kind of, you know, on the site pounding the table in December saying, Hey, I think Frank Ladson's coming to Miami. You know, when I was having some of those Frank Ladson conversations, you know, Jonathan Dennis, was another name that came up as someone that, you know, was going to maybe give Dan Lanning and Oregon a shot to see, you know, just kind of give them, you know, let, let's just sort of see how this goes. But, you know, kind of hinted to me, you know, if Jonathan Dennis ever does hit the portal, it sounds like it could potentially be to come back and play for Miami. I mean, I think that would be, that's something that he might be interested in doing if things at Oregon didn't work out. So, um, you know, I just feel like a lot of ties to Jonathan Dennis and Miami at this point. And I think it would be, it would, it, I mean, I'd be pretty surprised to see him land anywhere else. Um, you know, unless Miami really just decides that they want to go a different direction there. So if Jonathan Dennis does, in fact, uh, transfer to Miami, what do we expect that type of addition to mean for the Hurricanes? Um, He's a talented guy, class of 2020 recruit. I don't think he's played yet at Oregon, Um, but he was a a four-star guy. Um, He's definitely an interior offensive lineman, six foot three, 300 pound type of guy. Um, if he transfers to Miami uh, this offseason, what would you expect that means for the 2022 offensive line? Do you look at him as a starter? Do you look at him as a too deep backup? Do you look at him as a guy who's a two deep backup, but can push for a starting job. Yeah, I think this, I think the latter is probably where I'd go. Maybe a two deep backup that could potentially, you know, if healthy, um, you know, potentially push for a starting job. I think, I, I think he provides, you know, quality depth. Again, he hasn't really played at Oregon, uh, has been sort of suffering through like, you know, some nagging injuries and, and all that type of stuff. But again, I think someone that if he gets healthy, uh, I think he was a participant in Oregon's practice for the first time on Thursday, like, you know, last Thursday, like I know he hadn't been, doing a ton. So if he gets healthy, I think he's someone that comes in and provides quality depth and I think could potentially push for a starting job. I mean, let's not forget what this, you know, this offensive line looked like last year. And, you know, while I think things are trending in the right direction, I don't mind throwing bodies at, at this room, especially bodies that are again, familiar with what's going on here. So um, I would be intrigued about what Jonathan Dennis's role would be. I wouldn't expect him to come in here and walk into a starting role or anything like that, but I would expect him to compete And I think he's someone that you can just throw into the mix of the rotation that, you know, you'd feel comfortable putting out there. I think that's just as important at times, especially, you know, at a position like the offensive line where guys get dinged up too. And, you know, it could be a a situation where Jonathan Dennis is your, you know, you see Jonathan Dennis out there and you're not like, Oh my gosh, you know, we're we're down to Jonathan Dennis. I think it could be like, okay, at least we have a Jonathan Dennis type. So, I I mean, I I, I'm with it. If that's a move Miami uh, wanted to make again, I'm not expecting him to be a world changer or anything like that, but quality guy that can come in and and potentially, you know, push for, for some playing time. Yeah. It, you know, he hasn't played in games, but Mario Cristobal and Alex Mirabal know what type of player he is from practices. Right. Um, So if they feel like he's the type of offensive lineman that can come and be a guy in the two deep, then Miami should absolutely bring him in. Um, You know, I think we see, and look, there is, some injuries, some guys being held out, limited, et cetera, that, that, uh, and that domino effect impacts the two deep on the offensive line. Uh, but there is a drop-off 
to that second team offensive line right now. Um, and so if a guy like Jonathan Dennis can improve that second team offensive line, um, then you got to do it. I think we look at, I think it's fair to characterize most of these transfer portal additions thus far as depth guys. Um, you know, I would say too, like Logan Sagapolo, right? He is getting first team reps at guard right now. We can be skeptical because his body type isn't prototypical. You know, he's a sawed off six foot, six foot one offensive lineman, but he's, I don't think there's any denying at this point, Gabby, he is a too deep addition. Like, right. is he going to be a starter that's up in the air still, but he's definitely going to be in the too deep. And that is helping this offensive line. I think you could say the same about like Henry Parrish. Uh, is he going to be a starter? We'll see. Jake Lichtenstein, the interior defensive lineman. Is he going to be a starter? We'll see. Antonio Moultrie, who's out, but you know, he'll be in the two deep. Frank Latson. Right. Daryl Porter. So like they're making all these, you know, tiny incremental uh, improvements to the roster mainly addressing depth, you know, these, these transfer additions aren't necessarily like Jalen Phillips, Quincy Roche, Charleston Rambo, KJ Osborne, Derek King types, right? Like guys that can come in and be stars. Um, but these, these additions do matter in depth. And I think, you know, when, when your team can't necessarily overwhelm opponents with talent, I do think improving the depth of a team does help, does increase your ceiling uh, during the course of a season. You mentioned injuries can happen. Uh, I also think depth matters in the fourth quarter, right? When you're trying to close out these close games, which team has the best depth, which team has the guys that are the most fresh uh, to close out a fourth quarter, that's where depth matters as well. You look at last season, they lost three one-score games last year, each by a field goal or less. And each of those games, of course, came down to the fourth quarter. So do these type of depth additions help Miami finish stronger in the fourth quarter, where some of those close losses can turn into close wins? Um, I think that's a fair thing to try and build, right? Again, I don't think these guys are necessarily game changers. But I do think they can, you know, help address the depth issues, which I is a concern for me. Um, you know, things are better with these additions, but um, you know, to close out these tight games, you need depth. You know, three games. Let's say Miami wins all three, they're a ten-win team, right? right? If they lose, if they win two of the three, they're a nine-win team. Uh, this team, the margins are uh, slim. And so these type of additions, I think, do help. I don't think it bumps Miami, of course, from like being an eight-win team to an 11-win team, but can it bump them from an eight-win team to a nine-win team, maybe a 10-win team? Yes. I mean, I agree. And that's why I think you go out and get these guys. And I just think you even just kind of look at the ACC. I think these are the types of players that, you know, again, just kind of a blanket statement of just all the transfer acquisitions and just all these guys that they brought in. I think these are guys that make them better in the ACC. And you're talking about depth. I think that's somewhere in the ACC where 
there is a separation. And I think if Miami could just have a deeper roster, uh, you know, just more guys at certain positions where they can just kind of outmuscle, outman, and just last longer than the other team, I think that's where they win. And again, David, you were not talking about a massive, like, oh, this takes them from a seven-win team to an 11-win team. It could be an eight-win team to a nine, potentially pushing 10-win team. And I think that's Which where matters. You know, it, it matters. Exactly. It matters. Everything especially, matters. Especially in the coastal where, you know, when you, the goal is, I mean, really it's, it's a winnable division. Yes. I mean, every year it's winnable for Miami. And so when you can add guys like this cat that can just help incrementally, I mean, that could potentially help you finally just get to, you know, Charlotte, even if it's, even if this is just a temporary fix for 2022, or whatever it is, you know, this like little moves like this, a little, a few more than maybe um, I think put you in, in position to, you know, be the prime contender in the coastal to, you know, take on Clemson or NC state or Wake Forest, whoever it is that comes out of, of the Atlantic in 2022. Yeah. So Mario Cristobal and the staff is incrementally uh, addressing this roster still need to address linebacker. In my opinion, while it was good that they, you know, maybe had a, decent day let's say uh on saturday in the scrimmage i still think it's a position group that would benefit from at least one transfer addition um so let's take a break gabby and as we promised we will get into um a mailbag segment where we answer some in-depth do a deep dive on recruiting Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back. Gabby, let's just dive into the mailbag. Let's set this for, because we could go all day on this. Let's set this for, I'll set a timer for 20 minutes. Um, and we will answer as many questions as we can get to in that allotted time. So this question from Canes for Life 2348. He wants to know, in your opinion, Gabby, what is it going to take to reel in five-star cornerback Cormani McClain? Um, is it going to take 10, 11 wins to pull a guy like that? Uh, or can, can Miami get it done, for instance, win eight or nine? Because we know, of course, Mario Cristobal is going to recruit like a psycho. Um, is that going to be enough? And I think, too, it's worth – he didn't ask this question. But uh, I would imagine for a – guy like Cormani McLean, NIL deals will uh, be a part of the equation. 
Yeah, I mean, I think what Miami can offer, I'll just touch on that real quick, what Miami can offer from an NIL standpoint, or not Miami, but, you know, if you're just following what is happening on Miami's roster with NIL deals, I think that that's definitely encouraging in terms of just what Miami can provide. Um, yeah, you know, I think ideally, you know, you want to show uh, improvement in year one under Mario Cristobal. I think you want to show that the program is heading in the right direction. Let's say maybe it's not 10, 11 wins, but it is coming out of the Coastal. You know, it's, it is representing the Coastal in Charlotte and, you know, playing maybe, a, you know, playing a strong ACC championship game against, you know, a contender like Clemson or whatever it is. I think that could be big. And really, I think it's just about, I mean, Mario Cristobal just being the recruiter that he is. I mean, when we just, again, following trends and stuff like that, Lakeland has been, has traditionally been very kind to the University of Florida. So, you know, it's about, you know, maybe going into an area where Miami typically, you know, at least recently hasn't had a ton of success and winning a recruiting battle there. We saw what he did at, at Lake Gibson with Mario Cristobal talking at the school and all those things. And then also you got to out-recruit Nick Saban and, you know, Georgia. I mean, this is the best cornerback in the country. I think the best non-quarterback, uh, you know, in the class of 2023. So yes. you're going to have to battle with the big boys. And I think ultimately you just got to win a recruiting battle. I think it starts with, you know, the relationships that they build, which, you know, I think they checked that box. I think they've done an awesome job of that, you know, have a strong fall, you know, just put a good product on the field. And then, you know, really, I think ultimately it sounds, you know, basic or whatever, maybe like copping out, but really you just got, you got to win a recruiting battle against the best programs in the country. I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. Do you think, okay. So would you characterize it's early there's going to be a tons of twists and turns, especially in the summer months, right? Cause that's when guys go out and see schools again, whether that's unofficial or official visits, but right now at this stage, um, are you willing to characterize Florida as the main competition for Cormani, or would you say it's one of those other programs like Alabama, Georgia, et cetera? I mean, I think, I don't know if there's like a favorite, like, I'm not sure where I'm going with like where I'd go with that. Um, I do think Florida's like, you know, heavily in the mix. You know, I know Alabama's heavily in the mix. I mean, I, I'm not ready to just say right now, like anyone's a favorite. I mean, maybe Florida, I think that's where, the, is that where the crystal ball is right now? It didn't even really look. Yeah, I think so. So, I mean, maybe Florida's out on top. I mean, again, I'm not really out Nick Saban for an elite defensive back. So, you know, I think Alabama's definitely in the mix there. Um, you know, all the, again, I think there needs to be another wave of like, where's Cormani and playing going to go back. I've talked to him even, you know, coming off that elite prospect they visit even before that, you know, when he was down here at the Miami Immortals tryout, um, not Miami Immortals, the South Florida Express tryouts. And, uh, you know, he was saying Miami's one of his top two schools. Again, I do think Miami's really, really in the mix here. And, yeah, uh, you know, getting him absolutely. back on campus is big. They haven't done it. They haven't done that since January. So, uh, you know, hasn't been back this spring. I think getting him back is, is important. I'm I think the spring game, again, I'm not saying that he's coming, but I think getting him back for the spring game on April 16th could be big. Um, if that's something that Miami is able to sort of swing because, uh, you know, I think it's, I think they got to get him back down here as soon as they can. Absolutely. And you're right by saying it's, it might be simplistic to say you just got to go win a recruiting battle, but that is why Mario Cristobal was hired here at Miami. Cause he does win those type of recruiting battles. We saw it a little bit in that transition class, right? Like Jaleel Skinner, is yeah. a guy Alabama absolutely wanted. Um, Mario Cristobal got him at the end, um, flipped him, essentially. We saw that uh, with Travante Citizen, I think, too, uh, the running back that signed with Miami on signing day. So those are good early signs. Those are big-time, you know, borderline top 100-level players. Cormani McLean, though, on a different level, five-star 
best corner uh, prospect in the country. Um, so the competition is going to be fierce, but Mario Cristobal's on it. So we will see as he keeps chopping wood in that recruitment. Next question, Hurricane Maine 25. Uh, he wants to know, who are the top realistic linebackers and defensive tackles we should expect in this class? So I think it's worth mentioning Miami already has one commit at linebacker uh-huh. in this class in Bobby Washington. Um, so let's just start there. Linebackers, who else would you say are realistic names to know for the fan base right now? Yeah, I mean, realistic. Um, again, I feel like I kind of have to start uh, rewiring myself of what's realistic under Mario Cristobal. Like, can we throw Anthony Hill in there, nation's top-ranked linebacker who's going to be down for the spring game? I think so. Yeah. I think he. I think that could be considered realistic. Um, I mean, you're talking about Malik Bryant, the five-star out of Orlando Jones. I think he's someone that I think falls into that realistic category. Uh, Raul Aguirre, who has, you know, South Florida ties with his dad playing with Mario Cristobal and, and Alex Mirabal Columbus. Like, you know, that's a top two, four, seven linebacker. I think is definitely in that realistic category. Uh, Tony Rojas. I, I mean, I feel like he's someone that Miami, that the Miami staff is like really, really, really high on. I mean, just someone, I feel like they just can't talk enough about. Um, so, you know, I think Tony Rojas definitely falls into that realistic category. He's going to be down a week from Tuesday. So I think it's April 12th. They are, they are pumped to get him down here. I'm really excited about him. He has a sister that uh, teaches in the Miami-Dade County school system. So, you know, I think that they feel like they have some ties to, to the area that could potentially help them out. He's a big six foot three, 215, 220-pounder uh, from Virginia. Uh, Caleb Lavalley is a, is a Georgia kid that, you know, I think Miami's really high on. I mean, he told me a couple of weeks ago that he's had like 20-plus Miami staffers reach out to him. I think he's someone that they're definitely intrigued by. Uh, Tamir Robinson, who's a guy I mentioned earlier, he's an edge, uh, you know, linebacker type prospect that Miami really likes. I think that, uh, you know, they really like where they stand with him. I would even throw Ronan Hannafin in there. You know, he's from the Northeast, uh, from Boston, has Ohio State and Notre Dame, uh, just recently got offered by Alabama when he went there for an unofficial visit. So I think he's someone whose recruitment could start blowing up a little bit, but he did make it down to Miami recently. And I mean, I know that they really, really like him over there. And just seeing him in person, I mean, all of 6'3", 215, uh, lacrosse background, all that stuff. I think he falls into that realistic category, too. So a few names, and I know it's, it's a wide net, and there's a lot of names I've been throwing at you guys at linebacker, but really there's a, there's a group of guys that they really like. And I think those are some of the more realistic options out there right now. The one I'm focused on, Gabby, is Malik Bryant. Uh, in-state guy, yeah. five-star guy. Um, you know, they've had him on campus. They got him on campus in the elite prospect day. Um, to me, that's a guy where, again, it's similar to Cormani McLean, right? Cause you're battling Alabama, you're battling Georgia, uh, you're battling Florida, I believe too. Yeah. Um, this is why Mario Cristobal was brought in to win recruiting battles like that. Um, that's an in-state guy. I think, you know, that's the type of guy that Alabama and Georgia have been plucking from out of the state here in, in the last decade or so. And that's what Mario Cristobal has to stop. And so he's a guy that I'm looking, looking at in particular, I think he's, he's supposed to like announce in like late July. Right. Um, Right. So the summer months for him are going to be probably very busy. Um, Defensive tackles, hurricane Maine wanted to know about that group as well. The names to know. 
Yeah, a defensive tackle. I mean, I think you've got, got to start off with Jordan Hall. That's the guy that we talked about a little earlier in this podcast. Won't go more in depth on him. Ruben Bain. Um, I think there's still, a, you know, I don't know if he, maybe he's an edge guy, if he's a more interior guy. I think that's potentially up for debate. I'm throwing him into this, you know, defensive, like this interior defensive line group. Um, definitely, you know, obviously, I think a lot of Miami fans know about Ruben Bain and all the connections he has to the program as a Miami Central product. Uh, Derek LeBlanc is another guy who was who I mentioned earlier in the podcast that visited recently. I think he's definitely a top name, uh, you know, in terms of interior defensive linemen. Uh, David Hicks, you know, five star uh, defensive right. lineman. He spent a few days in South Florida earlier, um, you know, in the spring. One of the first guys kind of here earlier in the month. And you know, I think mine is going to get him back for an official visit. He camped at Paradise Camp, you know, summer of 2021. So I think he's someone that they're really high on. Um, I don't know if this is super realistic, but I mean, just kind of talking to them and sort of feeling things out. I think that it could be potentially um, realistic. James Smith, the number two ranked defensive lineman, he's plays at Carver, uh, Montgomery Carver in Alabama. And again, could potentially be a lot of SEC competition there, but he did alongside Jaquavius Russell uh, spend a few days down in South Florida. And I do think Miami is going to be a player in that recruitment moving forward. How realistic? I mean, again, that's 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 going to be tough to win a recruiting battle from a, a an Alabama kid like that. But and then Darren Reed's another one I would throw in there. He's a four star defensive lineman that I know Miami's been high on for a long time. Uh, you know, kind of got word uh, on Sunday that he's someone that could be at Miami next week and not this current week, but the week after, which is the last week of spring football heading into. Uh, the spring game that April 16th. So uh, someone else that's going to make his way down. Uh, then the last one I might mention is Jaden Wayne, though I think Alabama could potentially be in the best spot there. Um, again, a guy that Mario Cristobal recruited heavily at Oregon, has recruited heavily for Miami. Um, I do think, again, the Crimson Tide probably in the best spot there, but I think Miami could continue to fight and claw there. This is, we'll, we'll keep this one short. We already talked about him a little bit in this podcast, but Stavello Kane asks, uh, is Miami in the lead for Jaden Rashada? Yeah, I mean, I think right now, I mean, I think if you're handicapping things, I mean, I, I, I might put Miami out front. Um, I'm not, you know, putting in a crystal ball yet, not doing all those things. I think that there's still way to go in this. Um, just kind of talking to people, it sounds like there's just, there could potentially be twists and turns here. Um, sure. You know, his older brother just decommitted from BYU is, you know, is Roman Rashada trying to like, are they trying to, you know, you know, kind of get Roman and Jaden Rashada to maybe play at the same place? Is that something Miami's willing to do? I mean, just everything I heard over the weekend, you know, just once he decommitted, he decommitted from, from BYU while on a visit to Miami, which obviously raised some questions. And, you know, from what I understand, Miami's not willing to take Roman Rashada at this stage of the process right now. Um, you know, so is, just how does that situation change things? I would put Miami out in front slightly right now for uh, Jaden Rashada. And, uh, you know, I think getting him back again is, is the key to all this, but um, yeah, you know, I, I like where Miami stands right now. If I did put in a crystal ball, it'd probably be like three confidence on Miami, not doing that, but that's probably where I'd go right now. Yeah. I think Miami's in a good spot again. What is it? How does he feel about Miami after that visit high wears off? Right. right. Um, and then you mentioned two earlier, Oregon. Oregon is a school to watch. Um, and then, of course, he's he's planning to see what Ole Miss and Arkansas. So yeah. we'll see. If he does come back to, to Miami, which it sounds like he intends to, that's got to be a really, really good sign, you would think. Um, how about this question from Mr. Magic? Will 
Miami take both, and this is a running back recruiting question. Will Miami take both Mark Fletcher, uh, who is a four-star out of American Heritage Plantation, and Cedric Baxter, who is a top 100 running back out of Orlando Edgewater High School, um, or is it a one running back type of year? Oh, no, I think it's definitely a two running back type of year. I think, I mean, I think the dream, I think if, you know, they, in their perfect world, I think that's exactly what the running back situation would look like. Mark Fletcher, Cedric Baxter, they compare those two guys up together. I think, you know, <laughs> I think that's Kevin Smith time. is, yeah, I think Kevin Smith is sleeping soundly at night for the next, you know, three years or as long as, as he's around. Um, you know, I think that'd be just a massive win for Miami. Yeah, I've, everything I've heard has been two running backs. I know Mark Fletcher is, is a guy for them. I know Cedric Baxter is a guy for them. Richard Young is a guy for them who might be a little bit more out of reach right now, which is why I think they're maybe zeroing in more on Cedric Baxter. He's going to be back at Miami on Thursday alongside his parents. I think that's a really big deal. Uh, you know, as a guy that came earlier this spring to check out Miami now coming, now returning with mom and dad. So um, I, I think Miami's in a good spot with both those guys. I think this, uh, you know, upcoming visit on Thursday could be pretty telling about, you know, where the hurricanes stand with Cedric Baxter. United Kingdom asks about the cornerback and safety board. I yeah. feel like we've gone enough about corners. What I'm curious, Gabby, because when I look at things, I am curious about safety as well. Um, what does that situation look like in, in their recruiting plans right now? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think safety might be, I don't know if it's the most blurry situation. I mean, maybe just one I've yeah. maybe talked about the least. Um, I feel like, I've, I mean, I think, you know, Janelle, Janelle Guerrero is, you know, someone that they're extremely high on. I mean, obviously like the Caleb Downs is someone that they love, but I think that's already unrealistic at this point. I think early on, that was someone that they were talking about, just never sort of came into fruition with a lot of other programs sort of involved. So, um, you know, definitely going after some of those, you know, big name safeties. Um, I think Janelle Guerrero, they feel like they could potentially get on campus at some point. I don't think they're fully writing that off yet. Um, one top safety, I think he's a top, a top 50 overall player in the class that's planning on visiting, um, next week, that same week I was talking about with Darren Reed, which is not this coming week, but the weekend after the, uh, you know, before the spring game, uh, Derek Williams, he's out of Louisiana. Um, you know, he's a, he's a big time safety prospect that Miami really, really likes. Again, they're going to get him down. And I think that that could be pretty, I think he could potentially be one of those top of the board safety types. Um, another one I know that they really like is from uh, the, the guy from the Northeast, uh, St. Peter's Prep. I believe it's the same school that developed, that uh, produced Minka Fitzpatrick, um, Jaden Bonsu. Uh, I believe he's like an 88. I think we have him as a three star, but, you know, has an Alabama offer, Ohio State, uh, a lot of really major offers. And, uh, you know, he's someone that I heard early on that mine was extremely high on. I've been trying to catch up with him for weeks and weeks. Probably, I mean, it's probably been well over a month that I've been trying to actually get him on the phone. Haven't been able to do that. But um, I know he's someone that Miami really likes. Not super sure about the mutual interest, again, just because I haven't been able to really get him on the phone. But I know that that's a name that they really like is Jaden Bonsu. Uh, Jaden Davis, uh, Louis, uh, Louisville commit. Uh, I think he plays at Grayson in Georgia. Um, you know, big time program, you know, Miami obviously has Jake Garcia who played at Grayson for, you know, that stint of his senior year where he led him to a state title. Um, you know, it sounds to me like, you know, they've done a good job recruiting him and even just kind of trying to get him down for a visit, uh, committed to Louisville in February, but I think he's someone that Miami kind of likes. Another one that just visited recently, also Terrence Love, another kid out of Georgia has played with the Miami Immortals. So, you know, has a lot of familiarity with some of these South Florida guys, um, was down here recently with uh, top 247 tight end Jelani Thurman. And it sounds to me like 
Um, Jamil Dye kind of told him that he likes the bigger safeties. And it, it sounds to me like he could potentially be one of those uh, safeties that they kind of, you know, press on. It sounds, he told me uh, he kind of did like a, a tour of the Florida schools. It seemed like Miami was the most impactful for him. So um, I do think Terrence Love is definitely an option. And then just kind of keeping it local, uh, go back to Plantation American Heritage. You got Damon Fagan and, uh, you know, definitely a lot of schools in the mix for him too with, uh, you know, Ohio State and, and guys like that who have, you know, I think Ohio State's probably giving him a lot to think about right now. Um, I do think Damon Fagan is a, is a safety to keep in mind as well. Then corner, just quickly. Uh, yeah. Cormani yeah. McLean, Dijon Johnson, Damari Brown. Is there I, anyone I, else? Yeah, I mentioned Malik Muhammad. Uh, he's someone I think that they really like as well. Again, really big-time talent. Uh, Aaron Williams is a guy that, right. you know, visited Miami in the spring. He's since visited, you know, Louisville. I think he went to Alabama as well. So he's taken a couple of visits as well. He's someone that, you know, I think coming off of that visit, maybe got a, kind of got caught up in that visit high and, you know, kind of maybe, you know, had to go home and reevaluate things. But uh, I know in Dallas a few weeks ago when the Immortals were playing over there, uh, one of the Immortals coaches told me Aaron Williams was wearing Miami gloves at the tournament. So, um, okay. you know, I think he's someone that Miami still extremely interested in. Kalen Lee, uh, uh, he is the former Georgia commit. I think Miami's kind of involved there. Another corner, I think they've been intrigued by by a while. I mean, this dates back to like last staff, but you know, a lot of those guys are still kind of around. I think someone interested that intrigues them a little bit is Caleb Cost. Uh, he's another Georgia kid. He's going to be visiting. I, I, I think he's going to be visiting next week as well. Um, I don't think he's been like reaffirmed and offered by this new staff, but I think it, it, it would be interesting to see if Miami does go ahead and offer when he makes it down. I think he's someone that has an interesting athletic profile as a, a, you know, pretty highly touted baseball recruit as well, has a, has a really high score on his perfect game profile that potentially leads to like a, a potential like MLB draft pick. Um, so, you know, I think that Caleb Cost could potentially be one of those sleeper names to know right now that could potentially be a, a, a guy. And this question comes from CO Kane for life. He asks, I know we just, uh, landed Mitchell Agude, the UCLA defensive end from the transfer portal. Uh, but could you see us adding two more defensive line transfers? In my opinion, we need one more defensive end and one more defensive tackle. Yeah. I mean, I think, again, I mean, I feel like I've kind of dropped this on the board too. You know, I think if these guys can, I think if options emerge that could help Miami in 2022, I think that they will go out and get those guys, you know, and I know they've already got one and got, I guess now three defensive line transfers. I mean, I, I heard Andrew Ivins on a podcast, uh, you know, just kind of talking about Jordan Davis. And he said how Jordan Davis last year, who everyone sort of knows now from Georgia, um, he only played 50% of, of the snaps for Georgia last year. You know, you need, you need a bunch of guys that, you know, on the defensive line to rotate and, and Mario Chris has been pounding the table on the trenches. And I know I keep saying that, but I mean, I think he knows how important it is to have, you know, just consistent, you know, just multiple bodies that can get it done on the defensive line. So, you know, I think if Miami can go out there and find even another defensive lineman, I think that they should do it. I would, I would be surprised. I mean, again, if the right names emerged, I would, I would expect Miami to pursue um, you know, a couple more defensive linemen, if, even if it's just one more, if it potentially is up to two more, I mean, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be caught off guard by that. I mean, I think that's something I would probably expect from them. If you had to pick, like, it's just one more, uh, defensive end or defensive tackle, which do you think this line needs more right now? Um, that's good. Uh, I might go, I guess it just maybe just because I haven't seen Moultrie, maybe I'd go defensive tackle. 
just because I, I don't know. I, I can be convinced either way. I, I might go tackle. I don't know. I might go edge. I'll, I'll go tackle just for now, just because I think Leonard Taylor is obviously like, I think he's probably the most talented of, of all of them. So I think maybe he could, you know, if he, if he plays at his best, I think he makes everyone's job around him a little easier. I'm still not sold on the edge guys. And I mean, Mitchell Gude, I like, um, but still, I think the pass rush is so important that if you can go get another pass rusher, maybe that's probably the way to go. I would probably go tackle just cause I do feel like, and, and right. I know the plan right now, uh, with Moultrie is he will play inside, but he can also play on the edge if you need him to, um, and I would, you know, Jake Lichtenstein, the USC transfer, he is playing on the inside right now, but he can also play on the edge. So I wouldn't hate it if they went out and added a true defensive tackle body type that could kind of solidify that group that you could roll in there, be a physical presence on the inside. Those guys are going to be very hard to get. Don't get me wrong. Um, the competition would be fierce if one of those type of guys did enter the portal. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, if they want to add two more defensive linemen, I'm with you, Gabby. Uh, you know, outside of what quarterback tight end safety. I don't, I would welcome transfer additions, yeah. you know, left tackles fine. I would welcome transfer transfer additions at pretty much every position group just off the top of my head all right so i think you guys heard the alarm go off uh that was a good mailbag segment uh we'll do more of these because uh, there is always plenty of recruiting questions to get to apologize if we didn't get to y'all's questions but we will do that in the future and uh you know hopefully we have access to tuesday's practice and we will have an instant reaction podcast to that session And until next time, take care. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. Now, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.